being an iOS developer and a macOS developer uh, must be fun. Right <laughs> it's an interesting time, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Maybe we live in interesting times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. But that's actually something I liked about WWDC being in person. I mean, I like many things about it being in person, but I think one thing is that when you run into engineers who have worked on something that you want to ask them about, they are very happy to just chat about it because this is like them celebrating finally being able to talk about it. So that's something I actually missed this year because it's like you'd never got that like casual bumping into each other in the same way. Yeah, the great great Apple silo. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, Matt, you ready to kick us off here? Oh, man, JD, I need some more, uh, you know, encouragement. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. I'm joined by my amazingly warm and cuddly co-host, JD. How are you doing, JD? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm missing you. I want to give you a hug right now. I want to, you know, just be the support Canadian to help you through this difficult time. <laughs> I appreciate that. But the border's closed. Stay safe. Today on the podcast... <laughs> We have a awesome, awesome guest, Malin. Malin, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I was super excited to see you on the AUC Discord. Um, Yeah. They stole lots of good ideas that we did at the Mac DevOps uh, conference recently. (laughs) Well, I'm sure brilliant minds all think alike. But they, uh, I noticed that they implemented an introductions channel like we did for our conference, and I stole that from some other conference, and I really liked that idea. But no, and it, I really liked it, and people could just uh, post where, what they were doing, what they were, where they're from, and I noticed you're, I'm a developer from Vancouver, and I was like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome, especially since it's a an Australian conf- or Australian and New Zealand conference. Uh, it's great to see that they like since it's virtual, everyone's just coming from all around the world and can just. Yeah. yeah, basically give talks. And I think that's awesome. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, if anyone picks up an accent, I'm not actually from Canada. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm from I'm from Sweden originally. Uh, and I actually lived in Australia a bit before this as well. So that's how I've been sort of involved in on in other events. And I've been to other uh, AUC conferences before in person. But it was awesome to be able to, uh, be able to attend again now, uh, even though it's remotely. That's awesome that you went to Australia. No 14-hour plane ride, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's like one of the longest plane rides you can you can go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's it's awesome. I'm super excited for it. What are you talking about this year, and what did you talk about before? Um. So this year, I've been working a lot with SwiftUI, which has been fun and yeah challenging at some points and uh yeah it's just it's just been really exciting to to get to work with this and uh that's what i'm gonna talk about and i'm gonna talk about the app that uh, i made together with my partner so we the two of us made a mac app originally and we've been working on moving that to ios and we shipped it i think two weeks ago uh maybe a bit more yeah time doesn't have much meaning anymore <laughs> uh, but yeah so we managed to ship that i think um and then uh that's sort of what i'm gonna talk about just the journey of bringing Using such a new framework and bringing something from the Mac to iOS, uh, so yeah, I think I think yeah. it will be it will be fun. Uh, it's coming coming along well. I'm gonna submit it tomorrow, so 
it's, it's so this good. is uh, not uh, which app is this that you're talking about um um, this is an app called, oh, maybe I should say that. Yes. What, <laughs> uh, this what is an app called Orbit. Uh, so it's a time tracking and invoicing app. And yeah, it sort of started because uh, both Kai and I, uh, who work on it together, we've been doing uh, freelance work for a while and we just really wanted a good, uh, a good app to do those things. Uh, and we always work on the Mac and we wanted something to, that works really well on the Mac and uses a lot of the specific functionality that the Mac has. Uh, and we thought, okay, maybe we should just go ahead and build that ourselves. Uh, and then we thought, how hard can it be? And then we started out using SwiftUI and played around with it. And yeah, we managed to hit the map gap. And we knew that we wanted an iOS app as well. We were able to reuse some of the code. I don't know how familiar you two are with SwiftUI. Um, I listened to the Accidental Tech podcast. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that's where all <laughs> where there are three hour long uh, sometimes uh, sessions. Uh, I know more than I want to know about Swift UI. Um, but uh, I think what I understand, there was one path that Apple gave to go, uh, and now there's like two or three paths, and Swift UI is one of the, the paths yeah. to bring. So, so that is interesting. Like, it's actually, <laughs> we're in an interesting state of like multi platform development and Apple development in general, because uh, you do have all the native, all, all of the sort of standard framework, like UI kit and app kit, which you use to build specifically for iOS and iPadOS, and then separate to use app kit for macOS. But you always had to have those sort of two code bases that uses two different frameworks. And then I think, was it three years ago, Apple announced that they would have something called Catalyst, uh, which was basically a way for you to move your, move your iOS, sorry, actually move your iPadOS uh, app onto Mac. Uh, so you could build it with Catalyst. It was just a checkbox that you had to check and it all would work. Um, it obviously, I think some people spend a bit more time to make it feel uh, at home uh, on the Mac. So there, there's some more to it if you if you want, you can spend more time on it as well. But that's one way of sort of uh, moving things over to Mac. But then two years ago, they announced SwiftUI, uh, which is uh, like an alternative way of doing this. So SwiftUI is a way for you to have a declarative way of declar uh, of of writing your UI, so you don't have things like Storyboards, if, if you turn familiar, many people usually lay out their UI in either storyboards or in code. Uh, but with SwiftUI, you could just declare everything. It was very readable. Like you don't have to, it's very easy to review each other's codes if you want to do that as well. Um, and that's where SwiftUI came in. And the idea is that you should be able to write everything with this uh, framework called SwiftUI. And then once you once you build it for macOS, it will look like a, it will work like a macOS app. And when you build for iOS or iPadOS, it will adopt the UI and the behavior of an iOS app. And it's been working really, like we've we actually been really happy with it. And we were actually able to reuse quite a lot of code across. But since it's such a new framework, there were definitely some challenges along the way. And there was some lack of documentation as well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been always, a journey, but it's always fun happy. with Apple the documentation battle. <laughs> yeah, we run into yeah. that a lot with the sort of IT sort of engineering side. Um, yeah, almost no uh, documentation, or sometimes a lot of documentation, but not the questions you're asking. But uh -oh. <laughs> so, uh, do you, do you often find that the documentation is there tend to be up to date when it is there, or is it often sort of falling behind as well? Because that's an that's an issue that I think can arise quite easily as well. It seems very copious in some places where like I work with video editors mostly. And so sometimes they're just pouring all the documentation into Final Cut and Compressor and all this kind of stuff. But then other places where you're searching something and you find a man page and the man page, you know, the term, uh, entry for a binary, there's almost nothing in there. Or 
you know, it's like almost like a placeholder. <laughs> um, sometimes, yeah, it, it's it's very hit and miss. Um, I find that WWDC has become the only repository for documentation. Here's a video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I did. I did. You two watch WWDC this year? Yeah. I think it was pretty cool to have that sort of high production value of all of the videos this year. So They've been getting better over the years uh, just to be able to capture them and release, the, <laughs> capture and release the information as quickly as possible. They, they definitely had their workflow down. And then uh, with the pre-production, what I, what I would like to say is that it, it, all, it almost took the form of like quick talks, which is one thing I liked from DevOps days and took into Mac DevOps was having these very focused talks. Having mm-hmm. been to WWDC before once the last year they did the IT track, um, you'd, you'd be in these three-hour sessions or something and trying to find the nugget that you were looking for, which may sometimes have been in like an iPhone or an iOS coding session, but you really wanted just this. And now the videos were more focused, and I really mm-hmm. like that. Here's this topic. It could be five minutes. It could be 20 minutes. It could be, I mean, you wanted more, but it was good to have a, a focus. Uh, JD, did you like that too, or? Yeah, I mean, the the shortened format uh, was nice. I think what I missed was uh, being able to uh, go stand in line and ask questions at the microphone. Yeah, I, I actually never actually went up to the microphone. Oh. Um, they, they don't, <laughs> I think they only have that for the lunch sessions nowadays, is that? As I, it's been, so it's been a decade since I've been to a WWDC. So yeah. 2009 uh, was the last IT yeah. track where they had, where there was no iOS, not, you know, the iOS developers pushed out the IT people. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but yeah, I know that they had uh, like um, kind of forums that you could go ask questions. I didn't actually participate in, in any of those, but uh, the it, it labs. Looked, or, yeah, sorry, it was the labs. But that looked, I mean, it looked like they, they handled it well, kind of, kind of how we handled, you know, Discord breakout rooms uh, for, for talking about different talks and things like that. Yeah, I definitely miss meeting people in person. I mean, being able to sit in a bar uh, or uh, labs, you know, being able to talk mm-hmm. to the engineers that actually worked on stuff and finding, going, hey, I want to find out about this stuff. And then you find the person that's responsible for it. That yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think something, something I noticed, especially the first year when I was, I've been at WWC four years now. So the first time I was there, I was actually, I didn't have that many questions. Uh, but many things sort of came up um, as the conference went on, and sometimes you might bump into someone in the hallway, and they have a like you 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 get into like an interesting discussion, and then you realize, oh, maybe I should ask about this in the lab, and then you can just mm. spontaneously drop in, and I think that was great. Or you can just join a friend who has some other questions just to get the experience of the lab, and that's something I thought was quite quite nice. And another thing they had was sort of like breakout sessions um, when like multiple people had the same questions, especially when Swift UI came out. I think many people had the same question about how to architect your app and those type of things, and they want to know what's going on under the hood. Um, and that was something they just broke out into and sort of had this like open discussion about what's happening. And I think those, those are things I missed as well. Like you said, meeting people outside yeah. of the conference as well. I mean, there's a reason so many people go down to San Jose now, even if they don't have a conference ticket. I think it's just being part of like that community and being in the city can actually be really beneficial just to bump into people. I think when the lottery system started and it was tough for people to go to WWC if they had the money and the luxury of time as well mm-hmm. to go. One thing that uh, we have a few angels in the uh, Mac admins community, and I think Rich Troughton started it where he would just start a Google Doc and he just said, I'm going, just write all your questions you want and I will find <laughs> the engineers and ask them. Oh, and that's so awesome. 
basically we pooled our resources across Mac admins across you know the mm. world, and people would just ask their questions. Oh, there's a new file system, APFS. Uh, how does this affect <laughs> this and this yeah. and this? Or there's a new framework to do this? Or how does authentication work? Or and mm. so people would ask their particular questions, and then they would get answered or not, and you wouldn't have to ask them 500 times. You would get the answer and. It seemed to work pretty good, better than the discussion forums and the developer or beta uh, uh, sections of the website, which, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I remember asking a few questions in developer stuff. I mean, I'm an XN storage person, and not too many people know anything about that stuff or ask those questions. And then I went outside the developer to ask someone else, you know, and then someone's like, you're talking about beta stuff. Get out of here. Go back to the developer beta section. And I'm like, I'm just looking for someone, anyone who yeah. has any opinion, who knows <laughs> anything about, you know. Yeah it's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Did so, you end up finding someone somewhere where you could ask? I basically threw the the net really wide, and uh, by having various user groups, uh, there's people in the user groups that may know people that know people, and then questions can be asked, and uh, you know, sometimes that that helps. Uh, we have a large Mac admin community. The Slack is okay. I don't know if it has thirty thousand or more oh, now. Wow. <laughs> there's a lot of people wasting a lot of hours of their day there. <laughs> wasting. Yeah, how do you how do you organize <laughs> such a big Slack group? Do you just have many many channels or people yeah, using too many too many channels? There's actually a channel called Too Many Channels. <laughs> <laughs> it's very well organized. I mean, uh, like it's brought a lot of like-minded people that are you know professionals, and there's uh, very good admins that cross all the time zones and you know, either bad behavior or imperfect behavior gets corrected, you know, like, hey, we want to encourage people to not say, hey, guys, what's the answer to this iOS question? You're like, well, you know, you shouldn't say guys, because not everybody's <laughs> a guy. And maybe there's a better appropriate way to speak. So, you know, then they implemented a little bot to go and help. So if someone says, hey, guys, what's the answer to my question? It can just say, hey, maybe try y'all or try, <laughs> hey, hi, uh, friends or How's everybody going? Mm. You know, like or something. That's a good idea to like give suggestions because I think uh, that is that can sometimes be missing if you if you might know that you shouldn't say it that way. But I think having yeah, a not everybody, yeah. you know, not everybody's speaking English as their first language, of course, right? Mm. I mean, it's my second language too, and lots of people from all around the world are on the Slack, so not everybody's up on all the nuanced best ways mm. of speaking to other people. I mean, English mm. is a strange language with unwritten rules. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unlike French or German or other languages, where there's lots of uh, genders and cases, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, is your is your first language uh, French? French, French yeah. yeah. And I tried to study German for a long time and broke my head. <laughs> Just broke. <laughs> Germans yeah. and French have never gotten along. <laughs> Germans and French may not get along, but I know people that speak <laughs> both languages perfectly well. Uh, growing up wherever they did, uh, but yeah, I grew up speaking French and studied it in school. And uh, when I moved to a place where they spoke only English and went to their English class, I think the grammar lesson was subject, verb, object. Okay, five minutes <laughs> later, that was done. There was no more grammar and that was it. And I'm like, I spent years in French school and we're copying verbs and conjugating and yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a different. I attempt French around your girls and they just roll their eyes at me. So that's, that's how good my French is. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. they're a little yeah. shy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so speaking of languages, um, were, did you always develop in Swift or did you start in Objective-C and, and then move to Swift? For iOS, I actually started with Swift basically as soon as it came out. Like, or as soon as it was announced, uh, I, I jumped on it. I thought, this seems like a journey I want to be part of. And yeah, I, I tried it out very early on. And 
back then it was iterated on quite a lot. Uh, like right. things, things were breaking between versions. Uh, and but I, I, I like I, in hindsight, I'm happy that I was part of that journey because I I could talk about back in the old days how <laughs> like how things worked back then. You're so uh, but old. then afterwards, I actually had to pick up uh, Objective C because one of the code bases I started working on was Objective C. So. I, I like I prefer using Swift using Swift. Uh but like having back then I felt like it was quite useful to be able to know both because many of the research resources online were often given like Stack Overflow articles and those things often were written in Objective C. So it's quite good to be able to use both. But I think today I think it's very different. It's quite hard to like most times when you look at Stack Overflow, uh, the answers are in Swift, right? I guess sometimes when you look for Mac OS specific things, there are more objectives. There's more Objective C code there, but in general, it tend to be quite a lot of Swift. Uh, yeah, H- have have the two of you been writing Swift? I've dabbled in in Swift uh, and and hobbled together a presentation on on scripting in Swift because you can actually use it kind of as a scripting language and and have it mm-hmm. compile real time for that. It is very nuanced and and i i can't imagine i mean i dabbled with it very early on like in the 1.0 days and and it's mm-hmm. changed a lot now yeah. with with uh, the latest releases of it yeah yeah the, but i think i think it's great to see how much is being iterated on and how many improvements we yeah. see all the time as well and apple's moved a lot of specific libraries just into swift so like uh, the ar kit is only available in swift yeah, that's right. And, and and things like that. So it's kind yeah. of interesting to see Apple focus on this. And they're very much saying that this is going to be the language of the platform for the future, I think. so. Yeah. 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 No, I do think you notice that as well. And the same with Swift UI, right? If you want to have mm-hmm. this sort of new way of writing writing UI, you have to learn Swift, then jump on Swift UI. So uh, yeah, I think overall, uh, like I, I really like the language, and I think it is also quite a readable language, quite a friendly language. If you want to get into iOS development, uh, I found it to be just—it's just very clean when you look at it. I think, uh, whereas Objective C tend to have a lot of like. Uh, Square brackets around everything, and it's a bit—it's a bit messier. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, it's very uh, verbose. Objective yeah. C, extremely and verbose. One thing I like about Swift as well is that it is uh, available. You can use it for other things than just iOS and macOS development. So we also use it for our uh, backend server development. We use Vapor, uh, which is oh, interesting. Written. So you use Swift. Uh, use Vapor as a framework. It seemed like there was some attention to IBM using Swift and Swift as a server code, uh, Swift uh, on Linux. Um, I'm not sure. I thought Swift has come to Windows as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what that project is called, but I think uh, the IBM project was uh, Kitura. And they were were putting quite a lot of work into that. But I think, I don't know. Seems to be dead now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it, what what official sort of state of it is, but yeah, it's it's not being, uh, as I understand it, it's not really being developed as much anymore. Uh, but Vapor is definitely something you see quite a big community behind, and it's something that's continuing being developed, and they get more and more people working on it as well. So it seems yeah. like people have been using Go um, for you know server code or uh, backend web code, and so maybe Vapor's taking the same place. So yeah, maybe. yeah. I think it, it's interesting. I think Vapor, the great thing with Vapor is I think many mobile developers is, um, there are many mobile developers who might be like primarily app developers and working on iOS or macOS, but 
many apps also need a backend, right? They often need some some server code. And I think having Swifter is quite an easy way to just step over to that without having to learn something completely new at the same time as you're trying to make an app. So I think it's been great to sort of see you being able to like combine those two uh, with this, like use the same Swift skill set and then just learn how to make server server side code, but use use a familiar language. So instead of having to jump in in something like Ruby or or something like that, so yeah, uh, yeah. the whole the whole Vapor term just uh, worries me a little bit because there's Vaporware. So if you're writing things in Vapor, are you writing Vaporware? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, that's a Matt level joke there. Sorry. <laughs> Apple definitely likes to tell us where they want to go uh, when they want to go somewhere, um, and Swift seems to be where they want to go for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it's it's pretty clear, and the same with I think Swift UI as well. You see that they put a lot of work behind that, and it is being iterated on quite a lot. Like there were so many changes coming just this year, and I think you mentioned a bit uh, earlier that like we you have those like three different ways of making making. Uh, apps at the moment, but I think uh, it's definitely very visible that Apple wants you to be able to use Swift UI for like all the different platforms, uh, and like s- seeing what the teams are working on, like at WWDC, it seems like they're really, uh, yeah, they're really putting a lot of effort behind it, which is which is awesome. Well, they've shipped a few apps, right? There was there was the Voice Notes app first, and the Home app, and uh, with Catalina, I guess there's podcast uh, news, the TV app. Yeah, so that was written in uh, Catalyst. I wonder if the TV app... Yeah, I think the TV app was also Catalyst. Um, Swift UI is something I've seen quite a lot with like smaller parts. So for example, if you look at Big Sur, uh, you have uh, like the widgets, for example, or with iOS widgets in general, that's all Swift UI. Uh, so I think you see, you see certain components of apps being um, adopting Swift UI was uh, apps that have been primarily on iOS, like ho- that, like the home app, that is something that they used uh, Catalyst for moving over. So basically, it's the iPad version on yeah, the Mac I, that you can see. There's been some disagreement. I mean, people love to complain in the IT side. I'm sure the developers like to complain too. But about the uh, the fitness of these apps, or are these the best examples that Apple could have come up with? People have criticized them um, I find that they're okay. I haven't looked under the hood at the code. Um, are they? Do they look like really genuine Mac apps? Do they look like the best Mac apps? I don't mm. know. Yeah, I mean, I I personally found that I decided there's a reason I decided to go with Swift UI over like building a building an iPad app and then porting it with uh, Catalyst, and that's mm. because we sort of felt like you get that flexibility with Swift UI. So there were. At an early stage, it seems like there was there were certain limitations with the Catalyst app, so uh, it didn't really behave in the natural. I, I felt like it didn't behave as natural on the Mac as I was hoping. For example, there were many UI components that looked very iOSy. So in the beginning, you had things like a picker, and it was this sort of scroll view that you had to scroll through, which didn't really make sense on the Mac. Um, those things are getting better. Like Apple is iterating on making those components platform specific. Uh, but I still think there are some things like that uh, that aren't coming, that haven't come through yet uh, with Catalyst specifically. Uh, and what we felt with Swift UI was that if we if we want, we can fall back on AppKit as well. Whereas with uh, if you're using the sort of uh, if you're porting things with uh, Catalyst, you can't um, you can't. I don't think you can add AppKit as easily if you just want to sort of move some things and make them. Uh, the old way, I guess. But you went from a Mac app to an iOS app, so um, 
that makes more sense for you rather than Catalyst, which takes the iOS app root. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, we definitely focused on making a Mac app first as well. So yeah, it was great for that. Um, and yeah, uh, we ended up learning some app kit as well on the way because there were some things that we still couldn't do with SwiftUI, for example. Back then it was hard to present uh, multiple windows. So if you like tap a row in our app, we have like a row uh, of invoices and you might want to see that invoice in a separate window so that you can compare two invoices at the same time. Um, that was something, that behavior of like double clicking an item to open that invoice in a separate window, that was not available in SwiftUI when we started making it. So we still had to pick up some app kit and start adding that as well, um, which was interesting. I think we, we definitely had some points when we had to like find our way around SwiftUI because it was so early days. But those things are getting better. And like I think you can see that with SwiftUI that like, both with Catalina, as I understand, sorry, with Catalyst and with SwiftUI, as I understand, Catalyst got a lot of improvements and SwiftUI also get a lot of like platform specific improvements. Well, I'm excited to try out the Orbit app. Uh, as someone who uh, actually uh, uh, <laughs> keeps track of their time in iCal and then manually makes an invoice uh, like an animal, um, to quote my <laughs> favorite animal. Alex Narvi, my favorite Winnipegger, doing it all <laughs> the wrong way. I automate my software deployment uh, and uh, <laughs> lots of things, but I do not <laughs> automate my invoices. Um, but uh, yeah, this app looks like like... 10,000% better than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we did feel that way that it's like, uh, if you, we, we wanted to have a way for you to like track your time and then like automatically just input all of those things to the invoice rather than having to like copy and paste the time you've been working on across. So you can actually generate an invoice based on the time you tracked. So I'm glad that you see, you seem like the perfect sort of yeah. user yeah, for I, it. So do you find that Apple's responsive to, to any? requests that you have on on uh, swift ui and and things like yeah. that or yeah yeah i would say so yeah we definitely had uh, we've seen that they seem quite eager in like fixing bugs when you when you do raise them uh, obviously like right after wwdc they get like a ton of uh, sure. raiders filed but they do tend to go through them and look at them and uh, many things that we filed when we originally so we originally made the mac app for uh Catalina, so that was uh, before WWDC this year, mm -hmm. and then there were many pain points that we ran into, and we filed raiders for all of these, uh, and that was actually addressed at WWDC uh, this year. So it felt like they listened, which was which was awesome. Uh, was the answer upgrade to the future OS? Was that their <laughs> fix? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to some to some extent, because like many of the new things are only available for Big Sur, uh, so there are things that like where we have our workarounds, we have to keep our. Uh, like our implementation where we fall back to AppKit at some points, but then uh, for newer versions of macOS like Big Sur, we can use what Apple released this year. Uh, but yeah, that's always the issue, right? Picking up anything new that is iterated on that you sort of have to drop new OS versions quite quite quickly. But we're planning on continuing supporting Catalina for a while at least. Yeah, Apple is a ship that moves very fast and uh, the best place to be is on that ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. uh, no, not it's... not out on the bow of the the <laughs> ship and not behind it, but on it. Yeah, it's tough yeah. sometimes. It's moving. It, sometimes they don't want to keep you on the ship. Yeah, I think sometimes it can be a bit not sad. I think sad is too extreme. But like you, you're at WWDC and you're like super excited about all the things being announced, and then it's like, oh, but it's on the, the latest iOS. And uh, sometimes you might work on code bases that should support like iOS 12, uh, and that can be a bit. 
sad, I guess, like when you go back to the real world. Uh, but the good thing with Orbit is that it's it's me and Kai. Like we work on this together. We can make those decisions based on like we, we're looking at our user adoption and see, uh, uh, like see, make decisions of whether or not we can decide to only support iOS 14, for example. Uh, and it's it's nice to have a two person team to be able to like be quite flexible and decide when we when we drop versions and stuff like that. And yeah. teamwork uh, gets you uh, a nice podcast too. 119 episodes. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's really getting up there. We're like at this count where I don't even remember what the last step, like what the number is anymore. Uh, yeah, we've been going on. Uh, so for, for, for the listeners, we're, it's a podcast years called... years old or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a podcast called uh, Cup of Tech, and it's with me, Kai, and uh, another person, Zach, uh, who's in Australia. And I think we sort of felt like Zach being like on the other side of the world, uh, we wanted to be able to continue keeping up with, like, keep in touch with him. So we thought, okay, maybe we should start a podcast. And this was something we thought of two and a half years ago. And um, we were lucky to actually record our first episode in the Apple Podcasting Studio. And we're like, this is great. Nothing is stopping us. We can just go ahead and record here, which was awesome. But we didn't realize that at least, I think it was two people from Apple who were actually sitting in the room with us as we were recording the first episode. So that was like a bit nerve wracking, having basically a live show (laughs) the first time we recorded (laughs) it. Uh, But yeah, since then we sort of thought, okay, we should keep a strict schedule so we don't like fall behind and forget about it so we we've just been keeping on going having pretty much an episode every week we sometimes skip something around christmas we actually skipped an episode this week but apart from that i think we've been having something every week congratulations i was listening to the podcast it sounds really awesome Uh, some friendly conversations back and forth yeah yeah we definitely learned a lot on the way like uh, if you listen back I don't know if I, I, I don't really recommend it, but if you do listen back to the first episode, it's like, it's, 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 it's a bit awkward. And like, we, we don't really, I feel like none of us are really comfortable with setup because it is quite different when you, like, I, I, you guys might have experienced it as well when you record a podcast that like, when you talk in person, it's so natural. But as, as soon as you have a microphone in front of your face, it's like, you feel like you're going to announce everything and you feel like you're interviewing everyone. <laughs> do you know was- what I mean? It was painful in the beginning, and uh, JD getting me to read some of the like introductions and some of the stuff, and I would read it, and he's like, put a blanket on your head, just read it. And I'm like, <laughs> I put a blanket on my head, but it didn't make it any better. <laughs> he's like, put a box around you. Uh, you know, He's like, practice it. Put the words in front of your face, and um, nothing worked. And then he's like, okay, here, I'll you know, put the video up. See, I'm right here in the room with you. Just talk to me, Matt. And I'm like, oh, hi, JD. Welcome to my DevOps. You know, it really, really helps, though. Like, really helps. Does. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I started the Mac DevOps conference uh, six years ago, and it was just not because I'm a genius or a DevOps expert, but it was just because I loved getting everybody together. I, I thought if I could just book rooms and do the catering, and I hate getting catering, if I could just like one of those, but do both of those, um, <laughs> then I could get people together and we could all share our solutions and, and share how we have, uh, you know, uh, figured out how to deal with certain things in the Apple world. And celebrate the fact that people are working on open source and we're working on software together and this mm-hmm. whole devops cloud thing where people were infrastructure for us it, w- it was going more and more to the cloud and it's written in code yeah. and we can work on it together and i just thought i needed to know more about that and i yeah, was yeah. so excited by people working on it that we could do it but that's I, awesome all i had to but- do was get on stage and say hi to people and be really friendly and <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's awesome <laughs> 
No, I've been, I actually been quite interested in like conferences in general. I do organize uh, meetups in Vancouver as well. Usually we're in person, but right now we're all online. Uh, but I, how, how did you find like organizing your first conference? How did you, how did you get all the, log- like, I, I, I'm weirdly interested in like the logistics of a conference, but like, how did you get like the location and how did you manage to get like speakers to come and talk? How, how is that all that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I want to say, you know, in the sort of uh, Monty Python vein, you know, our chief weapons are ignorance, more ignorance and some enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just having gone to conferences and having spoken to a bunch of people like I'm I'm hopefully not too over friendly, but I like meeting people and mm. oh, this person wrote this software and oh, this person wrote this script that I really liked and I want to thank them. And so I tried to be very friendly to people and it would help me to ask them questions on the Slack or on mailing lists. I thought if I could pay for at least some speakers to show up, um, because I didn't have any money or a budget or anything, but when I I was like, if I paid for two speakers to show up, then it could be a thing. And I just made it for one day. And I just counted on the fact that I knew a lot of people were in San Francisco and that it could be a local conference with Seattle, Vancouver, and San Francisco, West Coast. Mm And uh, the, the only other thing that really encouraged me is that co-conspirator um, Brian Warsing was working at a university where there was a conference center and he had developed this really cool project. And I just really wanted to showcase what he had done and he didn't want to show anybody else. And I was like, this is amazing what you've done. You have to show everybody. The world has to see this. <laughs> and then I knew the people at the conference center because that's where my wife worked briefly at this conference center. Um, mm. And so I is knew the people the there. conference center downtown? In yeah. Yeah, at SFU, at SFU. And um, so I knew the people working at the conference center, some of them were still there working there. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just said, can we book rooms? Like, well, and then the hardest part was literally the catering. But once we'd sort of figured out, like, how many cookies and muffins and some sandwiches and a a little bit of that, then it was it was fine. It was just like, okay, I'll pay for two people to show up. And then and then other people like, oh, I want to come too. I want to come too. And then Hmm. over the years, I mean, we can ha- literally have a serious long discussion about how, how it was evolved over the years. But I found the hardest part over the years was how to find people that we hadn't heard from before, either okay. underrepresented or people that don't get time off work. They don't get paid to just fly around the world and speak about anything. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, some people have that privilege. Not everybody does. And so how to find people um, and how to find, you know, women or, uh, you know, people of color, anybody that's just not being put on stage like you know Mm. why is it only you know white men speaking at this you know panel or something right so Mm -hmm. i i really made it my mission to try and find people and try and follow a lot of cool people on twitter and get security people or there was a lot of i found a lot of uh, women in the security sector while there's more than in in it okay interesting so trying to find different people in different communities uh, Mm. yeah yeah i can imagine and like it's hard to also know that because i mean you will sell tickets but you never you can't really estimate how well that will sell as well. No, and I had to, and I always wanted the conference to be free because I wanted no money not to be a barrier, okay. right? But then that That's was awesome. in conflict with, I need to pay for people to come that can't pay for themselves <laughs> yeah. and need to come from all over the world that are interesting or cool or different. And mm. yeah, so I I started, in, I think I saw the, the Pi Cascades uh, that was in Vancouver one year. I went not because I'm a Python superstar, but I wanted to see how they ran their conference. Um <laughs> But uh, they had a, a nice tiering system. So it was like, if you're corporate, you can pay this. If you're a student, you can pay this. So I did that. And people were like, yeah, yeah, if my corporation wants to pay that, no problem. And if I'm a student or I'm an independent person, then I'll pay this. And I, I think it's totally worked out because um, uh, we want everybody to contribute and if, if they can. And But I, I want people to come mm-hmm. and if they want to participate, then I want them to be there. Uh, 
we want to have the community. So mm-hmm. yeah, 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 paying the bills is also important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to stress my wife out by spending all our money on this conference and this crazy <laughs> idea. <laughs> it was surprising putting the uh, virtual conference together this year that I mean, there's yeah. still money involved in that and getting that together was was a challenge. I mean, luckily, we already had sponsors on board. Uh, prior to the pandemic, but um, yeah. and they and luckily for us, they they stuck around and and saw the value and having people have a little skin in the game, so to speak, and and pay to attend. I think I think made yeah, we kept, sure that people showed up and and we kept we still kept it small and 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 uh, had the Discord, had the discussion, and and had that layout. And I think other conferences have liked that and have have. Well, yeah, we wanted to keep it live. Place. Oh, yeah. what, what time was this back in June? Yeah, June. June. Okay. Yeah. So you were quite early on the on the yeah. virtual conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was kind of iffy whether people could come, and then they finally closed the border. But we were sort of like, oh, you know, just I think we should do it virtual. And then some people had bought expensive tickets to come, and I was like, uh, do we refund people's money? I mean, like we've already like paid for certain things, and like, but yeah, I mean. We did keep a a, a, a a ticket price, and we saw a lot of people going free. But I didn't see everybody, you know, putting a lot of value into free. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not a business expert at all, but I thought even a tiny amount just meant that people had to buy the ticket. Or sometimes the value was being able to tell their boss, "I need to buy this hundred dollar ticket." Is that means my time is being used because so many people told us they couldn't, they could go to the conference. But they had to work at the same time in IT. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, sure, you can go to that conference. It's just a window on your screen. You're working at the same time. I'm calling you or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but we wanted to really try and work and keep it live, and it was a lot cheaper. We Felipe for for production. Yeah. So yeah, there, there were still still costs involved uh, in mm-hmm. doing a virtual conference, and and I hope I hope people understand that uh, you know, and and that when folks are are making these conferences free they're not you know with air quotes they're not really free there there's time and money that that goes into that and even Mm -hmm. still trying to compensate the the presenters that that were presenting right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean we had a live producer and we we spent like 20 24 hours i don't know like total time testing and doing the tech and yeah i can imagine just like uh, like you say it's it it is a lot of both costs and also uh, like time that you have to spend on that just to make everything work smoothly, yeah. especially when everything's online, everyone has different network connectivity. You need to like find a solution that fits everyone. So I can imagine that being being tricky. We sent a few, uh, you know, uh, microphones or books. Uh, I found that you know IT people were not necessarily the the type of people that were sitting down writing you know a Mac app or an iOS app usually. But with the whole DevOps thing, you're writing Python code, or you're writing Go, or you're writing mm-hmm. something that's your, your your infrastructure is now in your code, and yeah. so you need to be you, at least part of the process. You need to learn about Git, you need to learn about version control, you need to learn about pull requests, and I mean, we've yeah, seen yeah. A, a couple examples of of software, uh, commercial and open source working together, but they're on the Slack, they're discussing things, and they're filing issues and making pull requests, and they're discussing code. So trying to get us all up to speed on how software does get created and for us, the DevOps thing is just getting everybody working together and trying to be more sympathetic of the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine there being just a lot of different different areas that you that, that you do. Like you do a lot of different type of jobs or type of work every day. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can imagine there are just a lot of different things to to learn about there. Um, 
Um, do, do you find that do you do you two work closely with uh, developers quite often, like people who JD? I I do uh, only because of uh, one of my contracts that I, that I have, and and uh, they you know they don't like talking to other people. <laughs> so, <laughs> leave me alone. Let me let me sit here with my code. Uh, no, you know it. The DevOps, the the idea of the DevOps for dummies is is using the uh, agile process for that, where you're quickly iterating changes and and uh, doing a little bit of planning ahead of that of that, and then quickly iterating those changes. So, but it's interesting how many of the concepts apply to uh, information technology. And I mean, it, it's helped me because I've been working with developers to sort of build apps for me. I mean, I built. I build little tiny apps for my my uh, my clients, whether it's a Bash script or an Automator workflow or Apple script or something simple they can interact with. I've had help uh, building plugins for different monitoring uh, suites uh, in Python over the years. I've had to work with developers, and developers are special people. They're very smart but very focused. Um, <laughs> and communication is is important for IT and developers, and between yeah. developers and IT. While I was never a Python programmer, it just happened that I had to work with Python and these developers. And so for me, it was I was the business case. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Like that, that really needs a lot of communication. I think that is in general quite underestimated in our industry. I think there's so many, like there's so many different areas of making an app or making a website or building anything. Technically, I think mm. there's so many different um, expertise that sort of come into it, and I think. Uh, it is really like I think even if you're working as a developer, you have to talk to people, right? Like there, there are so many different people involved yeah. in making something, and I think that comes. I think it's the same with like being a developer and working with design. I think you're never just a de- working with development in a silo, right? I think mm-hmm. uh, no matter who you communicate with, I think it's really important to sort of uh, work on things together because I think uh, you you can learn from the developers, but, but developers can learn a lot from you as well, and I think it makes it makes you like that makes you a team right if you're able to have those communication uh, communication yeah. channels do you uh, find uh, do you work with your uh, partner kai on the on software together yeah so we we've been working together like back in like on different projects for a, for a long time and i think we we always sort of like working together we worked on like side projects together and some, at some point uh, our, our last job in Australia we were also working at the same company very closely and then uh, yeah when we when we that's we, we just feel like we work really well together as a two people team uh, it's awesome we, like wonder twins <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's awesome so yeah we've been like we've been together for 10 years i think um so we always and we sort of learn development together as well so i think we have a similar mindset to thinking about things but also we have both sort of there are certain things that both of us are more interested, like one of us might be more interested in one part and another one another part. So I feel like we are able to often, like we, we both know enough about like the areas that like, we, we both know similar areas so we can discuss everything, but we also have certain things that one of us might be a bit better at or it's the strong suit of one of us. So we're able to also sort of split the task depending on like who is more excited about them basically. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's working really well, I think. I'm jealous. <laughs> So JD, are you also talking at um, Everworld in Australia? I I, uh, I am not. Surprisingly, being locked down in a pandemic has me busier than than ever. So yeah, I think I'm many jealous people. Jealous of all the other people. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I think I think there are many things that like I, I hear from many people who just take on a lot of projects as they since they're working at home all the time, and then 
it ends up being like I think especially you don't really keep track of how much time you spend on anything really I think only if we had a time tracking app I know (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean for that to be a sales pitch but um, (laughs) no but but I do feel like I often sometimes look at like because I do track my time I sometimes look and I'm like wow I spent 15 hours at my computer today that's it's a lot, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. always feel like a lot either because like if you if you don't have other things that you go and do, you don't have those natural breaks. So I'm yeah. I'm lucky to have a workspace uh that I go to to work. So okay. and, I, and and so that helps in that, mm. you know, I'm only spending twelve ish hours, you know, just <laughs> half a day uh here and then I and then I go home. And, well, and I have don't your, have technology at home. You have clients part. and contracts and software, right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, Matt's like, hey, we're doing a book club. We're what? <laughs> yeah, you're helping me with this book club. We're doing it every week. Oh, and a podcast, right? I, and then JD's, ah, these are non-paid volunteer things, right? I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> For the betterment of the world. You always work the hardest at the free stuff, so... <laughs> We're making the world yeah. a better place. Yeah. So, you know, oh, yeah. I feel the same. Like even if you pick up something that's a pre-time project, you like with our podcast, we want it to be good, right? Like you still right. want to prepare for it and make sure that people, because many people will spend time listening to it, uh, hopefully. And hopefully. like counting up the amount of hours that people spend on your podcast makes you feel a bit like, oh, I should really put a lot of a lot of effort into making sure this content is good. Well, we're definitely going to listen to your podcast. I already <laughs> I'm love, not saying it. I love your being. show notes. <laughs> I, I love the show notes because as someone who does the show notes for our podcast, I'm like, wow, they're so well organized and just, <laughs> I'm like, that's how you do show notes. <laughs> I wanted to ask what you're talking about, Matt, at, at the conference. My topic for uh, Every World is basically inspired by DevOps and how DevOps mm-hmm. can help IT and Mac admins and um, so to get beyond, talk about cool tools like Git and version control and that, but also to get beyond the tools and talk about the community. And um, so, and we're, we've been really inspired by this DevOps for Dummies by Emily Freeman and certainly DevOps inspired my, my Mac DevOps thing. So awesome. I want to try and inject some enthusiasm into everybody. So that's one of my few yeah. good things that I do in this world. <laughs> <laughs> try to bring some happiness and try to <laughs> encourage people that they have the ability to do things and they have yeah. the ability. So That's awesome. And I think what I like about the conference this year, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with AUC, they usually have three separate conferences. But this mm-hmm. time they managed to, like they've decided to join all of them to one conference. And I think that's actually really good because I think um, people who are in the, like who would normally go to the dev conference wouldn't hear all of the DevOps talks. And I think it's great that people can, Sort of like listen to listen to all the talks, no matter. Would they be different um, like days, or how was the format before? Um, it was actually yeah, completely different conferences. So they were even in different cities. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I I don't really know why how that happened. I assume it was like the core organizers were in different cities, but usually you would have uh, three days. Uh, the one I went to was uh, DevWorld, and that would be a three days conference uh, where one of the days was. Uh, workshops uh, and then you have some events in the evening and then you have two days of conference talks um and i think what, what did they call it it was x world yeah x world oh yeah 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 uh, i think that one was in sydney uh and that one i feel like it was at least two days but i'm not i don't i'm not sure actually uh, but it was completely like different dates uh, different speakers uh I think some many of the, some of the organizers were the same, uh, but I think this is a great way of like just getting people from different backgrounds to come together. 
Yeah, I mean, Mac DevOps definitely was a, a mix of uh, an audience, and I never liked the uh, multiple tracks in different conferences because you always felt like you were maybe potentially missing a better talk in another room. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I always <laughs> I liked. I likened it to a roller coaster. We're all on the same ride, and if it's scary or dangerous or <laughs> uh, you know not what you want, it's we're all on the same ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I felt the same. Uh, there was one conference in Australia as well called Playgrounds. Oh. I don't know if you heard of it. It was, uh, yeah, just a very iOS uh, focus, focused Swift uh, playgrounds. Conference. Yeah, it was inspired <laughs> by that. And they had like <laughs> lots of like small stickers with like the Playgrounds logo. It was, it was a really good conference. Uh, but they had single track as well. And what they had was in between each session, they had uh, Birds of a Feather sessions. So you could go and talk to people uh, in between sessions as well. Um, so that was good. So if you like, if you felt like you maybe the content in the session was not exactly what you were looking for, you could go to those birds or feather sessions. But apart from that, all of the all of the like talks were were not none of the talks were given parallel. The only thing was the sort of birds of a feather where you could go and talk to the person who presented. Yeah. So that was an interesting format as well. Nice. Yeah, but I, I in general quite like not feeling like I have to like decide not to watch one talk because in general like i want to see all the talks right so it's nice to be able to do that there's been a lot of conferences and conference videos going online these days and i know in the it world we're doing we we have so many conferences we just had uh, there was mac uh, sysadmin which is in sweden it's a a really really awesome conference that i've never been able to go to but because it was virtual this year um you know they did a really good job they they pre-recorded all their talks um Mm. But they, the, some of the speakers did an insanely awesome job recording their talks. Like, I mean, that's giving me stage fright because they did some really <laughs> cool stuff. Uh, like, the are house. all the talks are all the talks being given in English? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think. Uh, did you know what city they usually have it in? Yeah, Gothenburg. Oh, okay. Yeah, Gothenburg. I only been like for a week, but it is a really nice city. If you can go someday, I would recommend I would it. Love it's, to. It's yeah. Nice. My, how do we reach you on the internet, JD? I mean, Malin. I mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can always. Uh, I think Twitter is probably the best way to get in touch. Uh, you can just send me a, send me a message. Uh, I'm Marlin Sundberg. Uh, just just my full name uh, in one word. Uh, do you want me? Uh, may, maybe it's best to just put something in the show. I'll notes. Put you in the show notes, the well organized yeah. show notes. We're going to do a new <laughs> thing this week where we're going to I'm going to be inspired by a cup of tech and inspired by Malin, inspired <laughs> by these awesome iOS developers who are amazing. And uh, the show notes are going to be pretty this week and easy to read. It's not a feature we've had before. And the, and the podcast is Cup of Tech, which is yes. a cup of dot tech, right? You got cup of yes. dot tech. Yes, right? it is. Yeah. Our Twitter <laughs> handle is cup of underscore tech, just because we couldn't get the dot. But uh, yeah, probably best to just go to websites, cup of dot tech. And if you want to check out uh, Orbit, we have, uh, you can just go to the website directly, timeinorbit.com, and there you can get both the iOS and the macOS version version of the app. You need to awesome. keep track of your time. I think I'm the uh, the biggest, uh, biggest in, in the need of this app, this app to organize me. I'm, yeah, we all know <laughs> how well organized I am. Thanks, Judy. Yes. Awesome. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> Thanks, thank Mal, you, Mal, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks for having me. If you want to sponsor the Mac DevOps podcast, uh, just give us a shout at hello at mdoyvr.com. We'll be accepting sponsorships for the podcast and for the next year's conference. Thank you to our Mac DevOps YVR 2020 sponsors. Our sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR, the conference 2020. Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. Thank you so much for helping us out.
Sauce Labs, our gold sponsor, Simple MDM, our silver sponsor, and Adagy, our bronze sponsor, as well as Elastic, our community sponsor. Thank you so much. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests, and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. She's uh, my big official Big Sur tester right now. She's uh, using my Big Sur testing Mac. Um, hopefully she won't. Uh, I hate you. you hate me. What? <laughs> <laughs>